Before we get going with episode 92, a word from our friends at Chalkboard. Imagine an app that brings your sports betting group chat to life. An app that can link to your sports book so you can easily share your bets with a simple click while following the game through a live in-chat score banner that makes it feel like you are in the stadium. Sound too good to be true, right? Not the case anymore. Chalkboard has turned sports betting into a complete group experience, compete against your friends for the top spot on the leaderboard, and share your winning bets in the message board. Be the expert with Chalkboard. Download the app today in the App Store, and be sure to join two different pieces. Odds Honest Truth, podcast through In The Money Media, producer Craig, Rich, everybody else involved. Al Studert's been on there. From the Stewcast. I've been on there a couple times. Be sure to check that out, download, listen every week, and then also check out the Odds Honest Truth board because you have opportunities to get free money each and every week over there, all through Chalkboard. Be sure to download the app from the App Store. Now, on to episode 92. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, November the 22nd, 2021. Gobble, gobble. It's episode 92 of the show, Thanksgiving week. Uh, however you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so many ways to find the show. Really, anywhere you listen to your podcast or you download your podcast, you can find this. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Those are just a few options. If you're someone who watches or listens along over on YouTube, search bar, Matt Bernier Show. you get this episode along with the 91 prior. Also, be sure you subscribe to the In The Money Media channel on YouTube because you'll get all sorts of great content when it's uploaded, including Odds Honest Truth, including the Players Podcast, including a number of different things, Horseplayer Happy Hours. Uh, but you got to make sure the bell icon's lit up because if it's not, all that great content will get uploaded, but you won't get a notification. And I'm not saying that you wouldn't go there on your own, but it's always nice to get a reminder. Hey, there's new stuff. Same goes for the podcasts. Make sure you have subscribed to any and all because, again, you get that nice little when you refresh whatever you listen to, the new ones populate in the feed, and you're good to go. You don't have to go searching for anything. This week's show, I'd like to keep it relatively tight. I know I've said that a million times in the past, and they end up going into the hour mark, but this one is going to be pretty lean. I'm not even going to get into football. Funny story about that. Last week with the 538 selections, totally forgot to actually put them in. So, And I think it's a good thing because it was it was chaos. There were a number of games that just unfolded in a, in a ridiculous way, at least by my eyes. But So I'm probably going to go through and do my own thing there, but I'm not going to talk about them on this show this week. We'll get back into that next week. This one... I want to keep it tight. We're not going to talk about any of the racing on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day itself. A lot of football. that can, you got plenty of other things going on there. But Friday, you've got some pretty compelling races across the country, graded stakes races, and I want to go over a grade one, a grade two, and a grade three. And we're going to take them basically in time zone order. So we'll start at Aqueduct with the grade three Cumley, then we'll go down to Churchill Downs with the grade one Clark, and we'll wrap things up out at Del Mar with the grade two Hollywood Turf Cup. Now, None of these fields or none of these races feature fields that are rather large. You've got, let's say, top-heavy markets. you got a couple horses that look like they're going to be pretty prohibitive favorites in each one of those races. 
Now the question is, how do you make money with them? Is there a potential for a horse to slip through the cracks and maybe they're going to be undervalued at the window by the betting public? That's what we'll get into. We're not going to look at any replays. I'm going to throw up some past performances that I've marked up and some of the things that I'm taking a look at. Again, they're not giant fields. They're not the best fields in the world, but they're good races all around. It's not like you've got Breeders' Cup caliber races, but I think we're all slowly kind of coming out of that little bit of a post-Breeders' Cup lull. Uh, and and this is the ramp-up, knowing that on Saturday, and unfortunately the fields haven't been drawn yet, past performances aren't out, you've got the big weekend out at Del Mar wrapping things up, so I'm sure many folks will be diving into that, but I've already got my eye looking at the Cigar Mile, and then before you know it, we're going to be looking at Gulfstream, and then we really get this thing cooking, and maybe there'll be more to come from me. Maybe as far as previews and things like that are concerned. Nothing, nothing done yet, but hopefully we can get there. And I can have some more news for you later on down the road. But for now, maybe a little bit of an old school preview. Looking ahead to a couple of big races coming up over the holiday weekend. Let's start in New York, the Grade 3 Cumley. Phillies and Mares going a mile and an eighth in the main track at Aqueduct. Then we'll go down to Louisville, talk about the Grade 1 Clark, and we'll wrap things up out in Southern California with the Hollywood Turf Cup. Let's start in New York. Okay, start with the grade three Cumley out at Aqueduct on Friday afternoon. This is a mile and an eighth on the main track for three-year-old fillies. And you've got two fillies that are going to be at the top of the market. And I don't know if both of them are going to run or not. And that kind of makes going through this race a little bit more difficult, especially because the filly that I prefer is the one who may not go here. Uh, but we'll just kind of go through in post-position order. You can see in the upper right-hand corner, I do this with all my PPs. I just draw in what the Timeform US pace projector looks like. And this little red bar around it just shows that it feels like the Timeform US folks think it's going to be a fast pace. Uh, hybrid Eclipse, you'll also know, I just make a, a bunch of different markings. And to the right of the horse's name, I put in what I would deem fair odds from a value standpoint. And just because a horse like Hybrid Eclipse for Linda Rice and Dylan Davis, I have listed at 24 to 1. That doesn't mean that I would actually bet the horse at 24 to one, or I even bet the horse at 50 to one, because the difference in a percentage standpoint, when dealing with a probability piece between 24 to one and 49 to one is 2%. Uh, now 2% becomes much more important at the other end of the spectrum. But when you're that far down the road, um, it, it just, it, they're not, they're not appealing betting propositions because they're just not going to win that frequently. So hybrid eclipse, while there may technically be an overlay at 35 or 40 to one, uh, it doesn't mean that I would be betting the horse. You can see she's fine. She's done nothing wrong in her career. She's won three of nine. She's won at Aqueduct. And you're going to note that I've circled that a few different times with a couple of these girls. That's important because Aqueduct can be a little bit of a quirky track, um, but she hasn't run overly fast to this point. She's coming out of a race where yes, she was off of a, a bit of a layoff, but she was close to a rather slow pace and she still couldn't get the job done. The Phillies that have run behind her haven't really gone back to do anything. Third place finisher, a 61 buyer. The fifth place finisher was the next out winner with a 66. But um, for big picture talk, I just don't think she's good enough to win this race. Uh, the two is 90% Bryn. You know, another horse who she's just not all that fast. Uh, most recently, she did rally into a slower kind of pace situation going two turns at Penn national, but you'll note the form of that race has been just dreadful. The second and third place finishers came back and earned buyers of 46 and 40 sixth place finisher, a buyer of 47. This Philly was three to five that day. I just don't see her really stacking up all that favorably, especially compared to 
the top two in the betting market. I made her 32 to one. She'll be a pass for me. Chalamar Gardens for Horatio DePaz. Johnny V's got the mount. She's intriguing, especially if you're looking at some of the more lightly raced horses in here. She's only gone out four times. Three-year-old daughter of Uncle Mo. Uh, Princess Violet, we know what she was capable of. She was a graded stakes winner a few times over. Um, I like that she's yet to take a step back. You see this arrow that I've drawn to the left of the buyers, and she just continues to improve, 64 to 73 to 79 to 83 in that Raven run at Keeneland most recently. The, the concern is, while in her first two starts, she did make up ground, indicating that there's a willingness, or a potential anyway, for her to pass horses. The only win to date came when she walked the dog on the front end at Belmont, going a one-turn mile, and she drew off the win by more than 11. If she doesn't get the lead, which I don't think she's going to, is she good enough to pass horses in the first time going out to two turns and the first time going a distance of a mile and an eighth? It's a lot of unknowns. It's why I've made her 10 to 1. I could see her being kind of a sneaky play in here because she's not that far behind some of the, the more highly fancied or the more well-known horses in here. But I just think there's enough for me to look at her and say anything in that, I don't know, I could see her being 5 to 1 or 6 to 1. And that just, that doesn't really get me all that pumped up. I will say the Raven Run sixth-place finisher was the next out winner. That was uh, obligatory. She came back and won the Chaluki with a 92 buyer. So at least the form of that race has worked okay. Um, Keeneland's a funny racetrack. Some horses take to it. Some horses don't. But I can understand the logic and the reason for, for Shalimar Gardens if you're trying to go against the top two in the market. To me, there are still a few questions, and I don't think I'd be fairly compensated in my opinion as far as a win bet is concerned. I made her 10 to 1. Maybe she goes off somewhere close to that, but even still, I don't think she's a super likely candidate to win this race. Crazy Beautiful is for Kenny McPeak. She tried turf in that most recent start, ran really well in the grand scheme of things. I don't know that that's what her preferred surface is. I think she's a dirt horse. Um, I'm very dubious about distance with her. It feels like a combination of things. I think she's a mile to a mile and a 16th type of filly. She's very, very quick. She likes to be forwardly placed, isn't dependent on being there. But, you know, we saw in that run at Churchill two starts back where she defeated played hard, who we'll talk about in a, in a couple seconds. Close to a fast pace, able to prevail at a mile and a 16th. Uh, sat off in the Delaware Oaks, stalked just much better than those fillies and mares, or excuse me, just fillies, those are three-year-olds. Uh, it was also over a wet track, which seems like she can handle rather well. You know, go back to the, the Gulfstream Oaks. I liked Milfoy that day. That field, for all intents and purposes, is not very good. She dominated there. You go to the Devona Dale. She couldn't beat uh, whole Bodemeister, who was a billion to one that day. So I, I do question a little bit the overall class of Crazy Beautiful. The two times she's really been tested, or three times, let's say. Go back to the juvenile Phillies last year as a two-year-old. Didn't get the job done. Kentucky Oaks, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and see that I drew a line through that race because of the start. She never really had a fair chance. But the Alabama, that to me is probably the most representative race against good horses or any kind of really quality competition. And she just, she was, came up wanting. And, and Saratoga, I recognize, is a track that, you know, it doesn't always work for some fillies. But I just, I, I'm not super, I don't, I'm not in love with her. And I think she's going to get over bet in here. And I, I just, you know, if she went off at four or five to one, yeah, certainly that would be over the three to one number that I made her. But then again, you would have to think 
to yourself, there's got to be a reason that she, I mean, she would be dead on the board at that point. So, and I know you shouldn't get scared off in those instances. You should just trust your number and your assessment. But I do think you have to take that into consideration. It's something I've started doing with my sports lines, uh, really incorporating what the book is, is projecting out from totals and things like that and spreads and spinning that and incorporating that into my model because the public is the best handicapper that there is. So why would, you know, you, you got to at least factor it in a little bit. May not be, you know, I'm not saying you call it a 50-50 split, but at least factor it in. So Crazy Beautiful, she she should be the favorite in here. But if she goes off above, well above the number that I made her at three to one, there's going to be a part of me that wonders, all right, what's the deal? Because she should be, you would think from a public standpoint, if I were speculating on a morning line kind of situation, I mean, I, I could see her going off at eight to five in here. Again, I, I don't think that would be fair value. But then again, if she went off at five to one, which in theory would be more than fair value to me, I, I would have to then look at her and go, uh, what's the deal? Like, what did I miss? So crazy beautiful. I'm not crazy about her on Friday afternoon. Played hard is another intriguing one, lightly raced has done some good things, couldn't hold off crazy beautiful in that most recent run at stakes race at Churchill Downs. I fail to see why this race would be any different. Uh, perhaps if you want to say distance is going to be her friend, not really convinced of that either. Um, Aqueduct is a track that can yield some slower times. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like she's in a bit of a tough position because I think she has to go. You'll note that all of her victories or her only victory to date came in gate to wire fashion. Uh, she did cross the wire first on two different occasions, but point being she's yet to pass horses. So I think she has to go. She's going to have crazy beautiful there. She couldn't hold off crazy beautiful last time. And even if she does put crazy beautiful away, then she has to deal with some of the horses coming from a stalking position. So I think played hard has a lot going against her from a number standpoint. She's pretty, pretty darn close to the top two in here. Uh, but I made her eight to one. I think I just, I don't know that it's a, I don't know that it's a circumstance that's going to lend itself to her producing her best result. Put it that way. Uh, the horse that I would want to bet in here, and I made the most likely winner is Army Wife for Mike Maker. Now she is cross-entered in the Fall City at Churchill on Thanksgiving. She is based down there. It wouldn't stun me if she ran there, although it sounds like there could be some wet weather in the forecast there. Who knows what, what's going to happen in New York? The reason I like Army Wife, it's not that she's overly fast, but she's pretty versatile. You can go through and see. She has been closer to the pace in the past if she has to be. She can also rally from off of it. I thought her run in the cotillion was really good. I was disappointed she couldn't outfinish obligatory. But to be fair, obligatory is not a bum. Clarier came back, earned a 102 in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Obligatory came back and earned that 81 in the Raven run, never really picked her feet up. But as I mentioned earlier, some horses do and don't take to Keeneland. She then came back and won the Chaluki with a 92 buyer. So she ran, Army Wife ran against good horses in the Cotillion. She ran against some solid fillies in the Alabama. Malathot and Clarier, they're probably just better than she is. The Iowa Oaks, I would say this is a relatively comparable field, maybe with the exception of Crazy Beautiful, who you could slot in there. 
and Army Wife blew the doors off that field. So, and you could even, I guess, the Black Eyed Susan is a relatively comparable spot. Also, probably because we're dealing with a mile and an eighth. I just think she fits this race really well. I think she would need to be a little bit more aggressively ridden. To me, the distance isn't going to be the thing that gets her beat. It's if Crazy Beautiful is just better, or if any of these lightly raced girls take a step forward. If none of them improve, and Army Wife can stay relatively close to the front, I think she's the most likely winner of the race. I made her five to two. I don't even know if you would get that. That's if she even runs here. She may run at Churchill on Thursday, but Army Wife would be where I would be trying to go or hopeful to go because I think she's the most likely winner. And if I got something at five to two or better, I think that would be fair value. You can round things out with a couple of horses toward the outside. Bees and Honey is one of the other lightly raced horses uh, I, I've made mention. You can see that arrow going up. The form line is we are on the improve. She's gone from a 58 in the debut to a 68, to a 69, to a 77. You can see that they played with equipment. Three starts back, she didn't have blinkers. They added blinkers for the first time. She breaks her maiden by nearly 12 lengths. Second time blinkers where you can, in some instances, see an improvement, which is exactly what the case was here with her. She jumped up eight buyer points. Um, she would need another pretty legitimate forward move here to truly be considered a contender in my eyes, but you see the pedigree at face value, union rag, smart strike on the bottom, mile on an eighth, you don't think is going to be an issue, uh, but she is going to need to take a, a pretty substantial step forward. I made her 10 to one in Vegas weekend on the outside. She hasn't run overly fast yet, but she has run well at aqueduct. She has proven herself at a mile on an eighth. Now she goes out for Rob uh, Atris's barn who, you know, they're just, they're rolling along right now. Um, second off the bench, Stretch out in distance. I don't think it's in totally, it's not an implausible result if she were to improve substantially and get the job done, or at least threaten to get the job done. I made her eight to one. I don't love her, but I could see a scenario if you're someone who you don't like crazy beautiful, you don't care for army wife, maybe some of the other girls with the stretch out questions you're not sure about. Vegas weekend could certainly be one that, that you could use and make an argument for. So you can see, I, I prefer Army Wife in here over Crazy Beautiful. I made her five to two, made Crazy Beautiful three to one. We'll find out if Army Wife goes in here. If she doesn't go, Crazy Beautiful is probably odds on. And, and again, I for all the reasons I've already laid out, I, I just don't have any interest in her, anything near that price. Let's go to Churchill Downs, the grade one Clark. This is probably the, well, not probably, this is the marquee event on Friday afternoon. Grade one, mile and an eighth, main track. Um, you're going to have a heavy, heavy favorite in here at Midnight Bourbon. And in my head, when I first looked at the race, I said, all right, great. We have plenty of options to try to go against him, try to beat him. Then you take a look at the pace. Time form doesn't think there's much speed signed on. I go through. I don't think there's a lot of speed signed on. And really, when you, if you just... If you strip names away and you just look at the form, the running lines, things like that, this is a three-year-old who is improving. He is likely to make the front. And he just is way the horse to beat in here. And it, it's a little bittersweet for me because I've always liked this horse. And any of you who have listened for a while, you already know this. But those of you who may be new to the show, you know, post-Breeders' Cup, you're getting involved here. I mean, go back to the beginning of the year with the triple crown trail through Louisiana. I said it during the monster pod back during Derby time. I think this is a good horse. He just, he, he always showed up with his best. It was just a matter of 
was his best good enough. Well, he took a step forward over the summer. And now you could potentially be looking at one of the better horses next year as a four-year-old. He's paired up career buyer tops of 107. I've spoken ad nauseum that I believe when you pair up career buyer tops, it can precede a forward move. Again, with him likely controlling the pace from the inside, he makes all the sense. And you have to just be real about that Pennsylvania Derby. You know, Hot Rod Charlie is not even part of this, this equation, but, or, you know, my opinion of, of him going into the Breeders' Cup Classic, I was against him. But boy, he continued to flatter the form of the, breed, of the Pennsylvania Derby. You've got three horses that in their next start, in their subsequent efforts from the Pennsylvania Derby, earned buyer speed figures of 107, 108, and 109. And that's not including Midnight Bourbon, who's probably going to do something close to that, if not run faster than that. For the, the setting is set. The stage is set, I should say. For Midnight Bourbon to run a hole in the wind on Friday. It's a very distinct possibility. And you can see, look at some of my trip notes from early on. I, I said, a grinder, not flashy, trier, didn't seem to have the finish needed. Couple the easiest lead, X, Y, and Z. But go back to some of the two-year-old notes that I made of him. Visually awesome, never took a breath. Liked the horse a lot, think he's got a lot of talent. That was in September of last year. So I, I've always thought highly of the horse. I just, I didn't think you were going to get this sort of move that we got here over the late summer and into the early fall. And I, I've said it before, you know, shame on me for not, you know, heeding my own advice, but you have to me, very distinct times that these horses improve the three-year-olds. They can take a step forward early on in the spring, the triple crown trail leading into the Derby. Then they can take another step forward sort of over the summer in that Saratoga time. And then again, late fall slash beginning of the four-year-old campaign. So that forward step I'm talking about over the summer happened for this horse, where early on through the Triple Crown Trail. So basically, he, he is case in point. Two-year-old, you see his form. Early three-year-old starts improving, but doesn't take a giant step forward, but he improves. He's in that low to mid-90 range. Over the summer, he takes that next step forward into the mid to high 100 range. And then this race on Friday, this could be the 110 or the 115. It really could be. Because unless someone goes with him, he's going to be by himself on the front end at a distance that I know he's over three at, but I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about a mile and an eighth for him. He, this, the, the stage is set for this horse to run the race of his life. You won't learn anything about him, or it's, it's unlikely that you will. I have two races highlighted on his past performances right here, the grade one Travers and the grade three LeCompte. The reason I've highlighted both of those, he was able to absolutely waltz on the front end, and they're two of his better performances. And I think you're going to get the same thing on Friday. I made him seven to five as fair odds. If you got something close to two to one, man, given all the, given all the things that I just laid out, it would be very difficult to pass that up for Midnight Bourbon on Friday. But he is racing some good horses. 
Midnight Ops has been more of a nibbler this year. You can see I've highlighted his 2021 campaign. He's 0 for 8, but he's finished second or third six times. Made him 16 to 1. I don't think he's a likely winner of this race. He does like Churchill Downs. If anything, I'd use him underneath. Now you get into two of the more polarizing horses in the race. You got Dr. Post and Happy Saver. They're both trained by Todd. I think this year for me, not that there was ever any doubt, but it, it really solidified my eyes that Todd Pletcher is probably of the past 10 years, I would say. I know some people would argue Baffert. I know some people would argue Chad. I think Todd is probably one of the more, he's not under, it's hard to say he's underrated, but I almost don't know that he gets enough appreciation for how good he is. These two horses though, I have no idea if they're any good. Relatively speaking. Yes, they're better than 50 claimers, but are they grade one caliber? I, I don't know. I've never loved Dr. Post. His Westchester was fast, and I got suckered into him in the Met, or th- thought of him anyway. I ended up with by my standards, but got suckered into him a little bit. He didn't pick his feet up in the Met. Comes back, he ran really well in the Monmouth Cup. Thought it was the best race of his life. That, well, you know, maybe he's finally put it together. He's going to go run in the P Classic, and we'll find out what happens. I thought he was just terrible. And then he comes back in the Woodward and he runs like a goofball against a field that the, uh, so far the race really hasn't come back all that strong. I don't love Dr. Post in here. I think it is noteworthy that a rag goes down there to take this horse and ride him. I, you know, I don't know what you want to do with him. I, didn't, I made him 12 to one. I, I won't be using him. This will probably be the time that he goes and wins the whole damn thing. Happy saver feels like the kind of horse also worth noting that Irad was on both of these in the most recent start, and he stays on Dr. Post as opposed to Happy Saver. Happy Saver is another example of, was he ever really as good as the resume would suggest? He defeated Mystic Guide. You can't take that away from him. But he has one triple-digit buyer to his, to his name. He lives in the mid to high 90 range, which effectively makes him like a grade three type. I, you know, would it surprise me if all of a sudden he showed up with a big race on Friday? No, because he's always hinted at ability. He's never been off the board in seven starts. He won five of them. But I just, if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't know what you want to do with him. He's not for me anyway on Friday. I made him 12 to one in this instance. The five is King Fury. And King Fury is the horse that if there was more pace in this race, I would really be champing at the bit to bet him. I made him six to one. I think he's going to be compromised. But he is a classic example of a dirtied up horse. And those of you who are just listening, maybe this is one that I'm going to walk you through it and talk you through it. But if you want to go over to the YouTube channel and watch, you can see the races that I've highlighted, lines, races that I've lined out, Y, X, Y, and Z. King Fury in 2021, I think he has three races that are representative, and he has three races that are not throwouts, but you can't use them as the example. The three that are representative efforts, the Lexington, the Ohio Derby, and that listed stake at Churchill two starts back. Now, the Lexington, yes, I know it was over a wet track, but he had big pace to run at, and he closed like a freight train. The Ohio Derby, I've gone on record saying I didn't like the race because there were about four of them across the wire. But point being, he had some pace to run at, and he came with his finish. And then that race two starts back at Churchill. He was a little bit closer, which is kind of intriguing to me. But point is, 
he still had a little bit of something to run at. He went 48 and two, and he ended up drawing off and winning by 13 against an overmatched group of horses. Then you've got the three races that I don't think really tell you the story. The Saratoga Derby, A, draw a line through it, doesn't mean anything. That was nothing more than a prep to get him to the Travers. It was a turf race. He's not a turf horse. The Travers, we just talked about it with Midnight Bourbon, an essential quality. It was the slowest paced race you're ever going to find. He had no chance whatsoever to run into that one. Draw a line through it. And then the Fayette in the most recent start. I'm torn with the Fayette because he's run well on a wet track before. And again, that run at Churchill two back, he was a little closer to the pace. He was close to a slow pace in the Fayette and he just couldn't finish. That one bothers me a little bit more than the Travers of the Saratoga Derby or anything like that. I still think he's best when they take him back and they just let him run. He does love Churchill Downs. If there was more pace, I would be really, really interested in betting him. He's probably going to be slightly compromised in here, but he is a prime candidate, in my opinion, to hit the board. Maybe to run second, maybe to run third in this spot. So I'm already in my head trying to draw up some sort of an exact, is it just a cold punch, midnight bourbon over King Fury? And you try to just get out of Dodge with that. Um, that's just my thought looking at him and the way this race could play out on paper. Let me know what you think beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Six chess chief, no offense, 99 to one. I'd be stunned if he won this race. Number seven, militarist, no offense, 99 to one. I'd be stunned if he won this race. The eight, Maxfield. I think in most people's eyes, Maxfield is the other horse in the race. I made him four to one. He's a perfect four for four at Churchill Downs. I'm not a big weight person, but he carries five more pounds than Midnight Bourbon does. He's probably going to be the one tasked with trying to keep Midnight Bourbon honest early. I don't know anyone else in this race that's really fast enough to go with Midnight Bourbon. And by the way, Midnight Bourbon's not a burner, but that just goes to show how slow this this field is as far as early foot is concerned. Many of them like to kind of settle in and then make their run. Maxfield is incredibly consistent. Incredibly consistent. Never off the board in 10 lifetime starts, nine times in the exacta, seven times in the winner's circle. Last four starts, three buyers of 105, one of 103. He's one at a mile and an eighth at Churchill Downs. Again, he's four for four down beneath the twin spires. They put blinkers on him in the most recent start, the Woodward. One turn, mile and an eighth. Didn't have to love that. He ran well, but I just, I wasn't wowed. And if I put it this way, based on my numbers, if he's four to one, which he won't be, he'll be less than that. Or Dr. Post, who is a length back in the Woodward, running like a like a fool is going to be at least two times the price why wouldn't i take dr post i think the other thing for me with maxfield and yes he's one at a mile and eight another instance where you can go back and i don't i don't care if it sounds like i'm you know red boarding patting myself on the back i've long said go back to those races leading into the sanity the handicap after the sand he's not a, he's not a distance horse I think he is a crack mile and a 16th type. I think a one-turn mile would have been beautiful for him. I do get why they're here for all the obvious reasons. The track that he likes, he has run well at a mile and an eighth. 
I think he probably would have been better suited in a one-turn mile. That's just my opinion. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but something to think about anyway. He's a good horse. Is he a superstar? No, but he probably doesn't need to be to be competitive in here. The problem for him is, again, he is going to be tasked with doing the dirty work. He's the one that's going to have to go after Midnight Bourbon. And I'm fearful at a short price that you could be looking at a scenario where Maxfield has to go at Midnight Bourbon. And for a horse that I think has distance issues, even if he were to put Midnight Bourbon away, what toll does that take for that final eighth of a mile? Does he start to get a little leg weary at the end? And then is he prime for somebody to come and run him down? Or does he go at him early? Does he go at Midnight Bourbon early and just completely empty the tank and he's got nothing at the portable? That's my concern with Maxfield in here. It's why I'm very lukewarm on him. I made him four to one. He's another instance going back to what we talked about with, with Crazy Beautiful. If he's six to one in this race for whatever reason or five to one, it's probably a red flag. So it's the double edge. It's the darn if you do, darn if you don't. I don't want to take him at less than four, but over four, I'm going to start to be like, mm, something's not right here. For me, it's it's pretty straightforward what I'm looking at. I, I kind of want to just lean into a, a cold punch Midnight Bourbon over King Fury. Um, if there was more pace, and if I can try to convince myself to think that that Maxfield's going to go after Midnight Bourbon early, maybe there's a scenario where I could bet King Fury but to win. But in all likelihood, this feels just like a cold 1-6 exacted to me. That's at least my thought for the Clark. Now, Let's wrap things up out west with the Hollywood Turf Cup. Another short field, a mile and a half. It's a grade two. Quarter of a million dollars on the line. You can see the pace projector. They Time Form US doesn't think this is going to be a fast pace. That could play into the hooves of Acclimate, who could just go out there all by himself. The problem I have, we'll, we'll get to Acclimate in a minute. We'll just take him right in order. Award winner, 19 to 1 in my eyes. Finished fourth in that John Henry at the beginning of October. I just think it was a very mediocre group. Very mediocre race. I know you had four next out winners. And so many people will say, oh, key race, key race. Yeah, it's a key race because horses won. But how fast did they run coming out of it? The four winners came back to earn buyers of 92, 92, 91, and 85. Any one of those numbers would probably be good enough to run at best second in this race, but probably third or fourth. I just, I, not for me. Not my cup of tea. 19 to 1 for me for award winner. Friars Road, I'm sure, is going to be the buzz horse. I'm sure people are going to look at it and go, nearly got up to win that race in the John Henry. Two starts back at Del Mar. He won by almost by more than four. He's the one. He's the, the, the right face at the right time against the suspect group. And you're not wrong. There has to be some acknowledgement that he is his two best races have come on turf. He's a horse that had always shown some, some ability. But you want to talk about the perfect, the perfect setup in the John Henry. Unbelievably fast pace. Comes with, finishes with a flourish. Still can't get it done against what I just called a very mediocre group. Why do I want to settle for, for a short price on a horse like that, that I don't, that I think had everything go his way and he still couldn't win. 
He's just not for me in here. Made him eight to one. It's another race. I, I think there's two horses in here. And here's one of them. I think say the word, I think say the word's best wins this race. Now, I don't know if you're going to get his best. He's been a little bit of a, not an in and outer, but he's had his moments where he's good and he's had his moments where he's not so good. The interesting thing about say the word, he's 0 for 3 at Del Mar, but I can go through and look at those three races at Del Mar and say, okay, well, let's start off with the Hollywood Turf Cup of last year. Massive, massive turn of foot. Finishes full of run. Can't quite get there to beat Arkwell, but he ran really well. Eddie Reed over the summer at a mile and an eighth, probably a little bit sharp, and you knew something was up. He just never looked like he was traveling. Then the Delmar handicap out at a mile and three eighths. Gets some pace, doesn't have a ton of room to run in deep stretch, still finishes strong, only loses by a length of three quarters. If you want to say he doesn't like the turf course, that's fine. I'm more interested in the fact that you take a look at the five races that he has run at a mile and three eighths or better. First by a neck, uh, by a length, third beaten a length, second beaten three quarters, winner by a length and a half, fifth by a length and three quarters. He is a horse that wants to run long and he's going to get to run long. You go through, you really want to just say dirtied up form. I know he finished second, finishing full of running the shoemaker at a mile as far too sharp for him. He's a horse that wants more ground. The Eddie Reed, I'm drawing a line through it. Came back. I get it. The Delmar handicap. I don't love the field. I still believe, though, in my heart of hearts, that his best is better than anybody else's best. I made him two to one in this field. It's a short field. There's one other horse in here that I think is of comparable ability. We'll get to him in a bit, but I don't trust him at all. So as little as for every reason that there is to not trust, say the word, there's another horse in here we'll get to in a minute who is arguably the least trustworthy one that you're going to find in, especially for, for a good horse and a, and a trainer that knows what he's doing. Astronaut. He won the Delmar handicap at a million to one. Uh, not a million to one. He's only 24 to one. But point being, he ran really well that day. And don't hold the Breeders' Cup against him. He had a trip and he was just overmatched in there. If you think you can get back to that Delmar handicap, yeah, he's not impossible in here. That to me is still the anomaly. Where did that race come from? I want him to prove to me that that was not just a one-off. I made him 12 to one in here, although I wouldn't be stunned if he ran well. Cupid's Claws, another one of that John Henry, had a wicked pace set up, ran, couldn't get the job done. They tried him on dirt going a mile and five-eighths. I'm not going to hold that race against him, draw a line through it. I, just frankly, I just don't think he's that good. Maybe he doesn't need to be that good to win this race, but I made him 24 to one. I don't like his chances in here. Acclimate is kind of the wild card, just in the sense that he is going to be on the lead. We know that. That's a fact, unless he just falls out of the gate. But I, I don't, I just don't believe in, to me, he's like a rabbit. And by the way, take a look at who his trainer is, Phil D'Amato. Take a look at the other horse that Phil D'Amato has in here. Say the word. Just saying. They have completely contrasting running styles. Acclimate, I think, is going to go to the front. You're going to know him early. It's a matter of when, when does that tank start to empty out. Um, I think he's going to hit the wall at some point. Maybe he can stick around and get a piece, but I just I don't, I don't trust that he's going to be able to 
carry on with his speed. I made him nine to one. And then we get to oh, the number of times that I've bashed my head against the wall of the rock emperor. Chad, we know, we know Chad. Chad's the best turf trainer. I would say there's a case to be made that he's the best turf trainer in the world. I'm sure Charlie Appleby would have something to say about that. I'm sure Aiden O'Brien would have something to say about that. Uh, John Gosden as well. But I think Chad is, Chad is, to me, very clearly the best turf trainer in the United States. There's no arguing that. Rock Emperor has been a horse that I have chased and chased, and then I finally got off, and I was, I was happy that I got off because – he, he would lose races that he had no business losing, which to me is always a red flag and a sign of a horse that just, for whatever reason, that doesn't have it. But, but they took the blinkers off in the turf classic and he did, he ran, he ran really well that day. Now he made the last move, which was the winning move that day, but I don't want to take anything away from him. He won the race fair and square. And then you take a look at the form of that race. Serve the King comes back, wins the Red Smith over the weekend with a 99. Two of the top five runners in the Breeders' Cup turf finished behind Rock Emperor in the turf classic. And I know Rock Emperor didn't, you know, he didn't run great in the Breeders' Cup. But his best is right there with say the words. The problem is, I cannot, I, there is no fiber in, in my being that has any confidence that you're going to get a good or a bad version of him. I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. On paper, he should win this race with the whole East Coast going West thing, suspect group. If say the word can't run anymore. I mean, this is Rock Emperor's race to lose. But knowing Rock Emperor, he could easily lose it. We're not talking about the, you know, the big boys in Chad's barn. Rock Emperor is a good horse, but he's not the most trustworthy, especially, especially at a short price. So I made him two to one. I could see him going off even money. And that would just be too short to me. He could easily win, but you have to take probability and thought and chance into account. And I just don't think that a horse like this should ever be even money in any race even against allowance types. So do with that what you will. I made him two to one. If he goes off at three to one, yeah, I'd be, I would be intrigued because again, his best is certainly good enough to win. I have no idea if you're going to get his best. I have no idea. Maybe some of you out there listening and watching have a, a better feel than I do for this horse when he will run and when he won't run. But I just think he's, he's just a quirky horse. I don't really think there's any other way to put it. There's also a debate about how far he truly wants to go. I know he wanted a mile and a half, but that was the only time he'd ever really run well at a mile and a half. I think he's one of the most likely winners. I have him the co-most likely winner, along with Say the Word. I much prefer Say the Word over Rock Emperor. I feel like if Say the Word runs his race, I think it's just better than Rock Emperor's. That's a big question. You also note, too, I circled this here with Say the Word. The DeSormo call has me kind of uh, flummoxed because th th this is not a, a combo that I, I put together very frequently filled the motto in, in Kent to Sormo, but um, that's where I'm going to hope to go in, in this spot. Say the word at odds of two to one or better. I would really, I would like two to one. I would take that on this horse because I think he's better than everyone else. Uh, but 
I, I think he's probably the second choice. Maybe the third choice, probably the second choice. No, he'll be second choice. Third choice will be Friars Road. And the favorite will be Rock Emperor. Question is, how heavy do folks go on Rock Emperor? Let me know what your thoughts are about this race, the Clark Handicap, or the Clark Stakes, I should say, or the Cumley from Aqueduct, all coming up this Friday. Let me know selections, thoughts, this, that, and the other. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening or watching however you take this thing in, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud or in themoneypodcast.com or over on YouTube. Uh, thank you for doing so. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, all of those different things. The more feedback I can get, the more feedback we all can get, the better off the content will be. Um, and as always, and, and knowing that we're getting closer to the turn of the year, let me know what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, what you want to see done differently, this, that, and the other. I'm open because really that's all that matters. I will cater to whatever you all want to hear and watch and listen to and see and all that sort of stuff. So uh, leave those thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Have a happy Thanksgiving this week. Don't do anything silly. Have some fun. Hopefully cash some tickets. And I'll be back next Monday with episode 93 of this show. Until then, best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play, because this has been episode 2, 92, not 2, dummy, episode 92 of the Matt Bernier Show. Show.